0: visiting with us, we've been encouraging everybody to read the gospel of Mark. So our staff has been writing six devotions. Uh, We're writing about the gospel of Mark. Tyler and I have been preaching about Mark and so we encourage you to uh, be reading in Mark. And so if you're visiting with us, just to let you know, Sydney McElroy is here this morning as well. Praise the Lord. So hallelujah to her. Amen. Glad that she's here this morning. You good? She's good. Praise the Lord. I have a cold and a sniffle. I know you've been trying to stay away from that, so I'm not going to hug you, but I love you. Yeah, all right. I'm glad she's here. The Gospel of Mark, I'm going to preach two different two different stories this morning. One I preached before uh, in a different light, but both of them I want to challenge you to consider how Christ may touch you this morning. And Ironically, here I am sick. Uh, I had to leave last Sunday, actually, and Go get steroid shots and all of that. But I'm doing better. Uh, I would not be here if I thought I was contagious. I'm not contagious. But anyway, I want to read very slowly and very intentionally these two stories. I want to ask you to listen very closely to the intimate details of which the Holy Spirit uses Mark to write these stories. Not only about the two characters that Jesus is healing, but also even about Jesus himself. Both stories involve Jesus reaching out to touch these people. And he used his own saliva. Why are we told that? Why are we told that he he spit and then touched these people? Twice here in these stories in Mark. And then there's a story in John where he healed someone. He also used spittle and made a mud cake and touched the man's eyes. That's in John. But here, the saliva is applied directly. So close. He he touched them. That's personal. That's real personal. How would Jesus touch you today? Now, in this day and time, and I did a little research and I preached on this before, it was not as uncommon as it would be for us today. If I said we're going to have a healing service and I'm going to put my saliva on you, you'd say, no, I don't think you are. So it wasn't that uncommon, really, even in the Roman times 2,000 years ago, to use saliva in healing or anointing. And we know even today a person can make a poultice by taking an herb and chewing it and then placing it on a wound. So here we have Jesus, these details. He uses saliva in both of these healings. So I want you to listen to that. Uh, Also, with Jesus, it's, it's always deeper than it. Seems just in the stories and so based on the context there's a deeper touch that he desires for these two that he healed but also for the disciples around him and I want to suggest to you and I too how would Jesus touch you today? Here's the first story in Mark the 7th chapter. Let's read verses 32 through 35. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech And they begged him to put his hands on him. So some people brought him, this person. More than likely he was this way from birth. We don't know for sure, but more than likely he'd been deaf and couldn't speak, maybe like Helen Keller, but couldn't couldn't speak and stumbled in his speech and couldn't hear anything. And so verse 33, And Jesus took him aside from the multitude. He put his fingers in his ears. spirit of God tell us that he stuck his fingers in his ears then it says he spat and then he touched his tongue again we'll have to use a little bit of imagination but Jesus spat or maybe he licked his own hand but he reached out and he touched the guy's lips and his tongue that doesn't imply that he gave him a wet willy though that would have even been more weird but still Jesus pulls him aside some way put his fingers right in the man's ears and and touched him we're given that detail in the scripture and then we're given a detail about Jesus in verse 34 then looking up into heaven Jesus sighed Uh, Then he spoke out loud, which is to mean be opened. And immediately this man's ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. Why were we given these details? Why were we told that Jesus, uh, he sighed. I've told you all before, I worked in the medical field and, I was trained to work on medical equipment at UAB, at clinicals at St. Vincent's, and then worked at Baptist Medical Center in Montgomery for four years or so. And then I, then I was trained specifically for anesthesia. And so I worked in OR rooms on ventilators and absorbers. And uh, Dr. Gary Dyle's not here this morning. He's an anesthesiologist, but he can confirm this. So I worked for an anesthesia company that made, I've been in just about every OR room in state of Alabama. And there's a ventilator in all those OR rooms connected to that anesthesia machine. And did you know, or maybe if you've had a loved one or if you've been on a the ventilator, there's a, a dial that is on the ventilator, a knob, it's called the sigh mode. You can get one size per every few minutes, you can get two, you can get three. The company we made for in the anesthesia and I've bagged people before in anesthesia and every now and then though the ventilator will give you a deeper breath you do it throughout the day without even realizing it you take a sigh and the ventilator does that for you even while you're under anesthesia expands your lungs why would the Holy Spirit tell us that Jesus sighed I have two suggestions. One is to let us know that he was fully human. And I think part of the other reason he sighed perhaps is just the human condition that he felt for this man who'd been all his life stuttering and couldn't speak and couldn't hear anything. And I think partly Jesus just (sighs) Did Jesus ever sigh over you? Did he ever sigh over you? Of the human condition we're in. I think perhaps he does. But again, he was, he was fully God, but he was he was fully human. He sighed. And then he said out loud as he looked up to heaven, He said Ifatha. That's an Aramaic word. Old Testament primarily written in Hebrew. New Testament is written in Greek, primarily. There's a few Aramaic words in the Bible, both old and new. In this case, even when it was translated to English it was decided to leave the aramaic so jesus speaks the common language so all the galileans around understood when he said ephatha they knew that it meant to be open so it was translated for us be open and then this man's ears were opened up and he could hear and he could speak plainly ephatha we were in israel 2 years ago our guide mike could speak like four or five languages it was incredible he was an orphan growing up, and so he he was born in uh, Jerusalem in Israel. Then, but he was raised in Greece, so he could speak Greek, and then he could he could speak Hebrew. And our driver was Muslim, so Mike could speak to him in Arabic, not Aramaic, but Arabic, which is common today. But this is Aramaic, the language of the people. And again, I think Jesus said it just so everybody would understand. If I be open, I have often preached this just. To remind us to be open to the Holy Spirit, if I be open to whatever God wants to touch you, and I'll emphasize that. But I want to move on now to the next story. So you have got this story, you got these intimate details. Let's move to the next story of healing for the blind man, Mark the eighth chapter, beginning in verse twenty-two. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. They begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand, and he led him out of the town. Now, I think the disciples were still there. We know the other case, he took him away from the multitudes, but I believe the disciples were still around. And listen to how it says, and when he had spat in his eyes or on his eyes, it's hard to know in the Greek exactly how Jesus did that, and then he put his hands on him, and he asked him if he saw anything. Again, Jesus is using his saliva. Did he, did he get close enough that he did he or did he just lick his hand and touch his eyes? But either way he used a salab and he touched the man and the, those who brought him begged him to touch him. Touch him. You touch him Jesus. So he, he did that. He spat. And he, he asked him if he saw anything. Verse 24. He looked up and he said I, I see men like trees walking. I don't see too clearly but I I see men like trees walking. Then Jesus put his hands on his eyes again. I don't know if he spit again or wiped his saliva on him again, but nonetheless he he put his hands on his eyes again and he made him look up. And he was restored and he saw everyone clearly and he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into this town nor tell anyone in the town. We'll paraphrase a little bit here. Last Sunday Tyler preached From the 8th chapter, the next few verses, immediately following this healing. You remember Tyler asked the question that Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? He's just healed this blind man in chapter 8. Who do people say that I am? Of course, the challenge in the sermon last week was who do you say that he is? It matters how you respond. Of course, then we know Simon Peter responded and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He answered well. Again, this blind man's just been healed, and this is all still in chapter 8 in context. Mark the 8th chapter, verse 31. Let me continue to read. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Why is he talking about this? He just healed them, and there's excitement. This guy can see clearly. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And then Jesus said, I've got to die in three days. I'm going to rise again. And he spoke this word openly. Verse 33, but when he had turned around, then he spoke the word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. For you're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. How quickly... Peter was deceived but how quickly you and I can be deceived from one moment in one verse of saying there was the Christ the son of the living God to Jesus looking at him in the next moment saying get behind me Satan you're not mindful of the things of God this is Simon Peter the rock how quickly and again we just read two healings the father I be open and this man's blindness is cleared and so we have to wonder, is Jesus talking about the blindness of the people, of the disciples that couldn't see clearly? Perhaps. Verse 34, and when he had called the people to himself, so now he's just rebuked Peter, and now he's called the disciples and people to himself. The disciples also, and he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, for whoever desires to save his or her life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, the Gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What would you give in exchange for your soul? Verse 38, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and this sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father, with his holy angels. So all that's in the context So now I'm going to try to pull all that back together. Stay with me. This healing of the blind man that we just read about is the only place where Jesus heals a person in a two-stage process. Let me ask you something very personal since we're talking about Jesus getting in our space so close that he could spit on us, so close that he could touch our ears. How clearly do you see how clearly do you hear? How clearly do you speak about the kingdom of God? I find that most of us need to get closer to Jesus in order to see, in order to hear, in order to speak for his kingdom. we got to stay close to him. Close enough he can touch us. All of these miracles we've been seeing in Mark—just miracle after miracle after miracle—we've been writing about. The staff has. I told Ken Casey I was going to quote him, so brother, here it is. I didn't ask for his permission, but anyway, many are following Jesus though uh, for the miracles and for the excitement. And you know the rest of the story. Most of us who know the Gospels that they didn't remain faithful when the miracle stopped. So is—is is that a deeper thing that we're supposed to be learning from all of this? Ken Casey's 3D last week if miracles if miracles alone create faith then the disciples should be people of great faith they've witnessed more than enough for their faith to be strong but instead the disciples repeatedly demonstrate how weak their faith really is look at the example of Simon Peter Ken Casey our faith does not need miracles to be strengthened our faith grows stronger through our following Jesus. That's right. Jesus does not abandon his followers but helps them through the difficulties of life. Such faith does not need to be expressed in a dramatic miracle. It needs to be expressed in our relationship with God and with other people. And that I, amen. Oh, I'll tell you, I've believed. also seen the miracle of God working in our lives when the miracle doesn't come as if we anticipate. We've all had that experience. In fact, I like something that Jesus said in John 20. You remember when Thomas didn't get to see Jesus and all the rest of the disciples did? He said, I won't believe unless I can touch his hand, unless I can put my hand in His side. And so Jesus shows up a few days later and walks in the room right through the walls said my Lord and my God He said, put your hand here touch me then Jesus said blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed that's a miracle in Mark the 8th chapter Jesus spits on a man's blind eyes Jesus then touches the blind man for the first time but his sight is not completely clear. Jesus touches him a second time and then he sees clearly. I ask in my 3D, is this a symbolic illustration pointing to the lack of spiritual sight that disciples had had? I've heard it given this way and preached this way and I'm about to do that just now. I think it is. I think you can stretch it because it, biblically and theologically It's true. As they grow closer, as you grow closer in your relationship and understanding, don't you see clearer? I know from personal experience and personal standpoint that when I am not as close to Jesus as I could be or should be, I don't see it clear. Can I get amen? I hope I'm not the only one. It's true. My side is unclear sometimes. Does my hearing ever get dull? Is yours? Do you know that in all seven letters in Revelation, you remember there were seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation. Do you know how they end? All seven letters end exactly the same way. It has to do with our hearing. Let him or her who has ears to hear, hear. the Spirit has to say. So apparently the church has some issues of hearing the Spirit. Apparently the disciples had some learning to go along. The culture, the culture around us which is coming against the church. The enemy Satan just like he came against Simon Peter, he comes against us. The worldview, the world mindset, not the biblical worldview but the world's view, the culture continually challenges our faith and our truth to what we see of whether or not we see clearly. Our own personal faults or perhaps a recurrent sin can cause us to retreat into darkness, to not hear us clearly. But then praise God because of God's grace, because of this, this Jesus who's willing to come and touch us and we ask for forgiveness. healing and we rediscover his touch then our vision is made much clearer we listen with greater eagerness we desire his will we hear the words in verse 34 whoever designs to come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me and if we if we did this daily consistently and faithfully if we took up our cross follow Jesus daily we would get so close to him he could touch us and that's what he wants we want to begin to close by asking you how Jesus might touch you I asked you that earlier he alone knows what it is for you but he can and he wants to you and I stay close enough to Jesus for him to touch us with his saliva? That's kind of weird, but that's close, that's intimate. But yet, in relationship, that's what he asks of us. Ask in another strange way, are you close enough to Jesus so he can spit in your eye? Sometimes I need him to spit in my looking up into heaven he sighed and he said if I ephatha be open what does that mean to you this morning from jesus if he sighed over you and said If I die. are you open to god's spirit are you open to god teaching you to listen We open to God teaching us to see truth clear. Do you need Christ's holy touch? If you do, stay close to Jesus. Let's pray. God, I just sighed even right then. I thank you for sighing over me. I thank you for sighing over my brothers and sisters. I thank you for getting close enough to touch us. I pray, God, that each person this morning can have a testimony that you have touched them. But, Lord, perhaps there's some like me we've gotten dull of hearing or maybe are, we're seeing men that are walking around like trees and we need to see clearer the truth. So, God, we open ourselves, if Hatha, we open ourselves to you speaking to us right now and touching us. But we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.